Are you ready for me, Ralph? Because it is September and it's uh, time for the kids to go back to school, as long as it's not too hot outside, <laughs> we'll cancel school the same day. Uh, we thought it would be a great idea to list each of our favorite, uh, our top five favorite uh, coming of age slash high school films. So uh, we're doing a list for everybody this week, which yes. will be fun. Yes. Um, so I figured uh, we could just dive in right away. So if you, we can all okay. talk about each of ours, and then we'll. Uh, well, what is a coming of age high school movie? Maybe we should define that. Yeah, yes. what, like, exactly what we're looking for. Well, I define a coming of age film as a, it's usually like an adolescent or a young adult coming to terms with who they are as a human being, mm-hmm. uh, or they they they. Uh, some experience causes them to grow up or have some realization about life that didn't didn't have before. Yeah. Uh, and that usually goes into like high school films or even college films mm-hmm. in some instances. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's how I would define a, a coming of age film. Yeah, I, I think it's any time. I think it's this. You go through a journey of a character. Yeah. Growing up, um, whether it's through high school or college or just through life, and. Uh, becoming a different person at the end of the film so mm-hmm. but that's more I guess that happens in every movie but it's very apparent mm-hmm. yeah a change occurs or some sort of arc happens with the person yeah um, so we'll start with Scott uh, we're gonna go in reverse order from five to one each of us and kind of talk about and it. this was hard guys <laughs> for me it was it <laughs> was really it hard yeah to narrow it down because you know, I think every movie that I, that was on my list initially had a lot of merit and was personal or sentimental to me, so it was really challenging to yeah. to narrow it down to what the top five would be. And I Absolutely. think this is one of your favorite categories. Yeah, you know, when, you know, here's the thing, too, and we'll talk more about this when I kind of identify what my list is, but I tried to think about what, there are so many great quintessential coming-of-age movies that are just, they're in that genre, so to speak, and they're fantastic and wonderful, and you guys might even have those on your list. So I'm going to kind of gauge mine. <laughs> you guys say one, then I might pick one of my yeah. one of my back um, backups. But I tried to choose movies that really were important to me, mm-hmm. and that helped me either during my coming of age time or uh, movies that I often go back to when I'm feeling nostalgic mm-hmm. about That's high exactly. school or growing up. Awesome. So. Well. My number five movie, I don't think I would have had on my the list until recently. Uh, and my number five movie is The Karate Kid. Um, oh, I really yeah. got into the new series, Cobra Kai, um, which is, you know, a more current representation of those same characters. Uh, but when looking back, it's like, oh, I really like Karate Kid as a coming-of-age movie. You know, you learn karate is of age. <laughs> That's what he comes in. He becomes a karate master. <laughs> right, right. But right. it's a high school movie with a karate... Uh... <laughs> so I it's like, you know what? I, the Karate Kid is a coming-of-age movie, so I'm going to put that at number five of my favorite uh, coming-of-age mm-hmm. movie. It's got... Uh, 
great performances and uh I had a crush yeah. on Rocky. Rocky. Wait a minute. I'm thinking of three ninjas. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets confused constantly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Daniel Sun. Yes. Got... <laughs> mm, never mind. Oh, I love Daniel Sun. Never mind. Yeah, and Mr. Miyagi is obviously one of the quintessential characters. Totally. Not, he, it's actually Mr. Miyagi's coming of age story. No, it's not. Um, he has came of he came of age already. Yeah, he's uh, already but, come of age. That would be a great coming of age story. Yeah. His 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 journey. Uh, if we had a prequel, but yeah, the Karate Kid is my number five coming of age movie. That's a great pick. Um, I love the Karate Kid. I wish I had thought more outside the box. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, mine are mine. Really, you'll see that. I mine, feel like I'm ours glad. are going to be. I feel like mine and Scott's are going to be more avant garde, and Sean's is like going to be what you would see in like, you know, Rolling Stones' know. best yeah, coming of age. Predictions on what we want, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to really look for. Um, cause I, you know, I like coming of age movies. So I was like. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did a, I did a search of what is considered a coming age movie, and then I found out a bunch of movies like, oh, I like these. These are these yeah. are good movies. So, um, yeah, I I uh, no, it, yeah, it's not something you wouldn't think of it as a coming of age movie, but it's based in high school, and he does. It is coming of age. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it really not is. one that you would. It's, yeah. it's not like in the front like you would some oh, other movies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I can see that. It's about, like like we talked about when we sort of defined coming of age, mm-hmm. about a character going through a transformation of sorts or learning more about themselves that's, you know, or changes that happen in their perspective on life and their character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say Karate Kid would fit into that. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. no question it's it's a coming of age film. And it's a high school film. Mm-hmm. It, it hits both of them. It's not, it's not, both of them. I will say, not all my movies hit both of them. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> the, the high school part, but yeah, that's for sure. That was an issue I actually had with this list, but when I'll get to it in a minute, but uh, was like some, some I was thinking more of the, of the purity of the category, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, there's a couple of movies that I love, but mm-hmm. are they, they seem like more than just a coming-of-age film, where they, they feel they transcended it almost. So. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you're going to... Probably be mad. That's mine. No, I bet you'll nail a few more of those. They, they get, yeah. A lot of my movies can be in several different categories. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So Tony, uh, tell us about your number five. <laughs> All right. Um, number five is The Graduate. Oh yes. Mm. And um, I think that's one of those movies that can kind of be clumped into many different categories. But at the heart of it, when you're thinking about the character Ben, he really is going through that transformation. He just graduates high school, hasn't yet gone on to his college life. He's very confused about who he is and what he wants to do and where he wants to take his life. And he also experiences a sexual awakening. Um, you know, Mrs. Robinson. And uh, yeah, so for all those reasons and, and, and just the fact that we, we see his character he kind of declines in a way. He starts off a little bit uh, shy and, you know, uneasy and unknowing. And then he does become more confident, but but kind of gets a little obsessive, mm-hmm. you know, like towards the end of, of the picture. But it's still a transformation nonetheless. And it definitely has a lot of those elements of um, just transitioning in life and kind of figuring out who you are and what the world's about where your place is in that world. 
That's that's a fantastic pick. <laughs> I think I may have something to say about that. <laughs> Is that your number five? I won't, won't, won't say anything about that. You know, I want to spoil it for the audience. And but. I do recommend the podcast that we did on the graduate. Oh yeah, with Darla with Darla. Mm-hmm. If you yes. want to go more in depth, but mm-hmm. yes, I, I agree. Yeah. That's, uh, I would say that's uh, in it's a probably, lot of ways it's, it's the quintessential. Mm-hmm. It's probably the early. It's probably not the earliest rendition, but it's 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 an early. I think coming of age didn't really get in vogue. I think it was very much like an eighties or nineties was the like yeah. the prime coming mm-hmm. of age where people made specifically coming of age movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a can't disagree with that pick there. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It's such a well done film too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. I'll, I'll be the first to Mike that Nichols. Uh-huh. Now, mine. Uh, I had to think really hard on this list, and I over the last couple of weeks and because uh, I realized I love a lot of coming of age films or certain movies that fit yeah. into that category um, I wanted to do a shout out to a couple that have come out recently Lady Bird from last year which was directed by uh, I believe it was um, Greta Gerwig Greta Gerwig yes and then uh, this year we had a movie called Eighth Grade which is excellent about an eighth grader it's probably one of the most realistic films I've seen about adolescence yet mm-hmm my runner-up, I'm going to mention, is is kind of an obscure film these days, but it's it's a classic, and it might have made the list had I seen it recently. It's been a year since I've seen it, but it's called The Last Picture Show, which came out yeah. in 1971, and it was directed by Peter Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. and that was the movie that made him a name in Hollywood, and... Uh, it stars Sybil Shepard and Jeff Bridges and Randy Quaid. It gave a lot of people their break. Uh, a lot of really successful actors. The only reason it didn't make my list is because uh, I just haven't seen it recently, and you know, recency bias is yeah. creeps in. My number five, my official number five, and I thought about this long and hard. And one thing I realized is I like ensemble pictures when it comes to coming of age stories. That seems yeah. to be something that I'm drawn to with a lot of entries on my list. My number five is one we've covered already on the podcast. It's Fast Times at Ridgemont mm-hmm. High. I knew someone was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, <laughs> from 1982 by Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. and people can listen to our full-fledged podcast yes. on that film with Bill Porter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, I think it's, pro- it's really funny. Uh, I may have ranked it higher than another film, but when I was going back and forth, I, I felt that film had more of a cinematic quality. I'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute, but... This movie is really, really funny, and I think the humor holds up. And mm-hmm. I think it there's some sentiment in the film, but it's not overly sentimental like a lot of John Hughes films came in the 80s. Yeah. I think this is the one that jump-started the 80s teen movie, because mm-hmm. it came out in 82. And I, th- I think the ensemble work is so great. I mean, uh, Sean Penn as Spicoli is hilarious. I think Mr. Hand... Mr. Hand. Yeah. What a name, too. Mr. Hand. <laughs> it is. Uh, Ray Walston. Oh, fantastic gosh. performance. Greatest movie teacher of all time. And Jennifer Jason Leigh has a great performance. She a does. Very, you know, mm-hmm. realistic teenager. Yeah, you know. very. And Judd Nelson... Or wait a minute. Uh, uh, yeah, isn't that his name? Judd Nelson? Oh, uh, oh Judd Reinhold. Judd Reinhold. Judd Reinhold oh, no, is fantastic. Why? That's why I'm thinking that... Wait a minute. That's not him. Yeah. <laughs> I realize so many movies I love about teenagers are played by 30-year-olds, too. Uh-huh. That's another thing on my That's list. That's kind of the trend. That, that was a trend yeah. back then. Yeah. You never, you never cast age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Phoebe Cates has the, the infamous scene in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, virtually everybody in the cast, I think, is really strong across the board. Great soundtrack. 
Fantastic soundtrack. Good 80s, you know, mm-hmm. classic rock. Stevie Nicks is one of Stevie Nicks' Angel, best songs. Yeah, Sleeping Angel. Sleeping Angel is on the soundtrack. Yeah. And probably my favorite song me off too. that act. That's on that album you bought me. Yes. The rough cut of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, for anybody, it's the Belladonna Edition <laughs> uh, two-disc set, and it's on there. And it was recorded during the Belladonna yeah. sessions for people that are fans of Stevie Nicks out there. So, yeah, that would be my uh, number that's five. A, that's a yeah. Pick. yeah, I would say so. Great first round, guys. One thing I do want to say, too, and forgive me, we may have already disclosed this, but we haven't shared our list with one another. No. So you guys, as the listeners, are learning as we are, so it's kind of an exciting, fun game yeah. that we wanted to, to play today to see what each other thought, like what our picks would be. Yeah. So it's it's fun. So I my, knew Fast Times is going to come up. Yeah, that, and I figured it'd be from Sean. There's, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> there's some that's going to come yeah. up. Um, my yeah. number four is probably what you would say. It's, it can go into different genres, but it is a coming-of-age movie, and it's Forrest Gump. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. And uh, I, I love Forrest Gump. I know it's over the years. It's on a lot, and people mm-hmm. kind of... But, you know, it's actually a coming of age for Jenny and Forrest, mm-hmm. do you think? Because they both go... Yeah. It's for, for Forrest's eyes, and, um, you know, obviously Jenny doesn't look as good through mm-hmm. it, but she, at the end, she... Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of the first movies I can remember crying at in the theater. Um, <laughs> it's like, it makes sense, because, like, his best friend dies, his mom dies, and his, his wife dies. It is really a tragic movie. Um, the only person that doesn't die is Lieutenant Dan. Who who is so hard on? Yeah. Artist, yeah. Who is probably his best friend, you know, yeah. at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was sweet when he comes to the funeral. With his, with his legs, yeah. 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 It's such a good movie, mm-hmm. and it gets it gets beaten down because I think 94 is seen as this year, really good year mm-hmm. in movies because you had Shawshank and you had Pulp Fiction. But I like it better than both of those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Pulp Fiction, and I love Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction, but... Uh, there are aspects of it I don't like as much, and I think Shawshank can feel long, but Forrest Gump mm-hmm. is just a fun, easy to watch, and it's so well directed by Zemeckis. Is a, when Zemeckis has really great material, he's as yeah. good as anybody. Um, it's like watching it, it's like reliving history too, American history oh, to mm-hmm. some extent as well, watching Forrest Gump. So it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's always a nice treat. Yeah, Gary Sinise, yeah. Is, we, Sean and I were talking about him the other day, and it's just like, yeah, he's such he's a great so actor. Great. Uh, um, just well acted. It's just a, it's just a group. It's an easy movie to get into. It's fun. It's got a lot. Of, it's sentimental for sure, but I oh, think yeah. it earns everything it gets. So, well, that is that is a great film, and I love yeah. Horace Gump. Um, I think it's underappreciated these days with other people. Again, I never would have considered it for my coming of age list. So that's a great, that's a great mm-hmm. pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have added some Superman movies to my list. But no, I, I love Forrest Gump. I, I mean, I love um, Tom. I think it's still Tom Hanks' best performance, um, and and I love Gary Sinise. I think his performance as Lieutenant Dan is amazing. Yeah. Well, let's not discount Dragnet. Oh, Dragnet, <laughs> especially City of Crime. <laughs> you have to be an that movie's phenomenal. That is. Another great coming of age film in some way. Virgin Connie Swale. <laughs> yeah, that's right, the Virgin Connie Swale. So that that would fit in beautifully. We should do that. a dragnet for one oh. of your shows. Like we should remake a dragnet. Oh, oh like uh, a Sean Wheeler remake production. Maybe we can do one of those one of these days. So dragnet's fun. fun. Yeah. But yeah, that's Forrest Gump. It, 
coming of age, but it's it's not just through high school. It's through it's you see his whole life. Yeah. yeah. Until you know he he him and his and Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that Haley Joe? Yeah, it's Haley Joe. It was Haley Joe Osment. Yeah. yeah. Shortly before he saw Dead People. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, the scene that always makes me cry in movies. I'm I'm not joking. Is the scene when Forrest discovers he has a son with mm-hmm. with Jenny, and he goes, yeah. "Is he smart?" Yeah. That kills me every oh, time. Oh, that's so. And, he, and then he doesn't he say, "Is he like me?" Or is he, something yeah. is like he, that. Uh, yeah. Is he like me? It's just yeah. That's, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Right now. He's an amazing yeah. character. I I love Forrest. Please. And then when he meets him for the first time, when he sees him sitting in front of the TV, and he goes, "What are you watching?" Yeah. <laughs> and is it his name? Is the son's name is Forrest too, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Like, yeah. My name is Forrest. Yeah. You can call me Forrest. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's my number Sweet. four. Okay. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my number four is quite predictable. I, at least for the Wheeler brothers, because they know me so well. Um, so number four for me would be John Hughes, Pretty in Pink. Oh, Pretty in ah, Pink. Okay. Pretty okay. in Pink. Yeah. John Hughes had to make his appearance on the episode <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Pretty in Pink's fantastic. You know. Um, I used to watch that movie as a little girl, and I really identified with the character of Andy. Uh, you know, her parents were divorced. She was raised by her dad. Um, you know, they uh, they didn't have much. And so she really was, she was a smart young girl, had a lot of integrity, good sense of character, good sense of who she was. Um, and I just really loved the way that she carried herself in that movie. And I like the transformation of her, you know, kind of coming to terms with not really necessarily fitting in with that Richie school that she goes to um but still trying to make the best of it and then you know when she is in is introduced to that world you know through dating Andrew McCarthy's character even how she still stays true to who she is and doesn't compromise that um and then we even also see some transformations with Andrew McCarthy's character and Ducky as well so really like all three of the main teens kind of go through these these character shifts and they all you know like it's so sweet at the end even though Ducky loves Andy so much you know he he encourages her to go to Andrew McCarthy and that's a great great moving scene because they're best friends they walked in together and you know he always had her back and um but he loved her you know enough so much that you know he wants her to be happy and if he if Andrew McCarthy's going to make her happy then that's what he wants and then then with Andrew McCarthy you know he kind of I think struggles the most but he comes around in the end but I just always I don't know there's just something so nostalgic about that movie I think it's definitely a girls movie for mm-hmm. sure you know some of the other John Hughes movies are a little bit more um, you know gender neutral but I definitely think Pretty in Pink kind of caters more to the female audience um, but I also love that she loved fashion and she was creative with her clothing and shopped at thrift stores you know these are all things that I identified with as a young girl in high school and even now um, and, you know, I just think it was so powerful, the, the scene when, you know, she gets ready, she makes her dress for the prom and gets all dolled up and walks downstairs and, you know, her dad's like, I thought you weren't want to go. And, you know, she says, I don't want them to, I don't want to let them know that they broke me or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to, you know, it's just, I think that's such a great message for young girls. It really is. She didn't need a man. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't need to be accepted by these people who, in the grand scheme of things, didn't matter. Um... And I think it was a really positive message about image, about female character, integrity, um, not compromising who you are for a boy. You know, I mean, in 1986, I think, when that movie came out, it was was a really different time in terms of women and their roles in society. And so to have this teenager, 
sort of relay that message. I think that was a really powerful thing, whether it was intentional or not. Um, that's always sort of what I got out of it. And it's just a feel-good movie. You know, it's one of those movies that I love putting on if I'm sick. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like seeing old friends, you know. And looking at Andrew McCarthy isn't bad either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it's a fantastic coming-of-age high school movie. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned it because, uh, you know, when you were talking earlier that you preferred this over other John Hughes productions from the 80s. And I noticed that there's a really strong cult following among women, especially with Pretty in Pink. Uh-huh. That seems to be one their favorite yeah. of those John Hughes films. More than like films that are maybe more popular in a broader sense, like The Breakfast sure. Club or Ferris Bueller. Or even Sixteen Candles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was really... I find it. I was really glad to explain why you prefer mm-hmm. that over the others. So. And it really is like if you watch it again, you know, having just listened to me explain that, you'll definitely pick up on that, and I think you'll you'll see why women sort of gravitate to it because it is about a girl and it is about her struggling to find herself and fit in and, and be okay with not fitting in and and all those same tropes and themes that we live in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't have money. Like, there's a scene where she was trying to shop for a prom dress when she was in the shopping mall. And she was kind of, like, just trying to get inspiration to make, like, for something to make of her own. And she was just shopping around, and the rich girls were, like, real snarky with her and made comments about, what is she doing here? She can't afford the dresses. And it's just sad. Like, I mean, I'm grateful that I was never bullied like that, but yeah. I can relate to that. Like, we didn't have money like that growing up. I mean, I got my prom dresses at antique shops, you know, and my junior prom dress I got off eBay. So I get that, you know, um, and I think for me especially, I really identified with it because of some of those themes and just because of how strong Andy was. She really was a strong character, you know, like when, when Andrew McCarthy started kind of cowering back on dating her, she confronted him about it, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, yeah. you know, and, and, and stood her ground and I really have a lot of respect for that and I think it's, uh, it's, I wish more girls today would watch that movie. I think it was one of James Spader's first films. It too. was. Yeah, I think it was. Plays yeah. a great slimy. Yeah, yeah that's what jump-started the slimy yuppie. I love with, that. With like hair. the linen pants and the loafers yeah, and their socks. Favorite. I love yeah. that hair. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah I love James Spader. Uh-huh. All right. So. so, so my number four is probably one of the quintessential, you know, coming of age stories. You know, it, it deals with the last day before kids are sent off to college, uh, and. It, was released in 1973, very influential movie, American Graffiti, directed by George Lucas, and I can't wait to talk about this because it stars Tony's favorite actor, Richie Dreyfuss. (laughs) It's a good time for me to go get a glass of water. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, Richard Dreyfuss is fantastic in this movie. It's really an ensemble piece, but he really plays like the main character who's wide-eyed and thinking about whether he's going to stay in this small town in California or go off to college, you know. But it's really a snapshot one night, which kind of became a pattern from a lot of films. Like, like Days and Confused. Yes. I don't know if that's on anybody's It's not on mine, but that's a great movie. No, that's, that's not on mine either. But, yeah. but that's one of the, for the 90s was yes. kind of the American Graffiti for that time. Yeah, and it was based on the same And uh, Ron Howard was in it, right? Yeah, Ron Howard. It was a lot of people's first film. Like, Ron Howard, he was called Ronnie Ho- Howard back then. Wow. Of the Ron Griffith Show. But it... Really was the the movie that kind of jump started Happy Days later on a year later. Even though Happy Days I think was already in development, they both used the same theme song, which was Rock Around the Clock, mm-hmm. which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite fifties songs, Bill Haley and the Comets. 
and it's a great opening song. It really sets the it standard. It really does, absolutely, especially for a '50s themed. Oh yeah, like it's, it, it, it takes place in '62, but it feels like the '50s to mm-hmm. me, like with with the cars and classic yeah. cars and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Harrison Ford has a minor role. He's terrific as like one of the villains in the piece, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Uh, you know, Ron Howard and Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley, they're the main couple in the film. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of jump-started a lot of people's careers, especially in 50s-oriented material yes. on TV. Uh, and the soundtrack is the reason I admit it, number four. The soundtrack in this film is amazing. It is the 50s soundtrack of your dreams. And I, I think the only person they don't have is Elvis. But everyone else, like Bill Haley, Runaway by Bill Shannon, yes. Buddy Holly, That'll Be the Day... It's just classic, and they talk about music. Music is almost a character of itself in that movie, and uh, and it's also a great looking film. George Lucas did a terrific job directing it. If people want to see another side of George Lucas beyond Star Wars or Indiana Jones, American Graffiti is a perfect yeah. place to, yeah. to go. No, I and then Harrison Ford is makes his appearance in that. Oh yeah, does yeah. he have a cameo? He's like a cowboy. Yeah, he has a minor role as uh, mm-hmm. in the film, so. Well, and, and you know, it's always great to see that '50s nostalgia. You know, yeah, I think that's yeah. a decade that anybody, you know, it's it's, it's a fun just, decade yeah, to go it visit. Is. It's a fun decade to go visit. It's kind of the film that kind of jump started it for the in the '70s. There was mm-hmm. a big '50s revival in the yeah. '70s, like Grease and, yes. and Happy Days. So that kind which of, Grease is not on my list, surprisingly, but it is a great coming of age high school movie. It is, you know. It is. So we, we definitely have to point that out. Yeah. And if you like Grease, be sure to listen to our podcast mm-hmm. episode with Sarah. Uh, Sarah Booker Greer, yeah. Absolutely. The boosh. Well, my number three, probably my mo- most taking liberties, but it's, it's, the story is coming of age, but it's not It's not a high school movie, uh, is Pinocchio. <laughs> the animated Pinocchio. Disney's from animated Disney's Pinocchio. He goes, <laughs> okay, he goes from a wooden boy. Oh my God. <laughs> to a real boy. <laughs> okay, that sounds, oh when I just said it out loud, it sounds pretty ridiculous. <laughs> And Shrek when he's like, I'm a real boy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if you take out the, the weirdness of him going over That movie is actually pretty dark. It's very dark, but he does it. It's very coming of age. I mean, he's, he, he goes through adolescence <laughs> through the metaphor of being a wooden boy. And, well, it's perfectly fitting. I would never have considered Pinocchio for my, my list. I think it's a great film, too. Well, but if we're going to talk about Disney movies. Then we have to mention The Little Mermaid. That's a great yeah. coming of age. Yes, which we also have done on the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's animated, but it, I think it is a coming of age movie. I mean, it's just, it's just not, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you, if you was a boy and he wasn't, right. he wasn't mad on wood, <laughs> he becomes sentient, like Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, he becomes yeah, sentient. Yeah. But he comes of age. You know, he he he, he learns morals, and he's a different character at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning through learning. And he has a different face too. He has a different face. <laughs> he, he's, he's, got, he's got blood and he's got all the <laughs> He's got organs. <laughs> Your list is a masterpiece. Oh my gosh. It's better and better. Okay. Uh, but I love Pinocchio. I, it's definitely one of the best Disney films. It was like one of the first Disney animated it, I remember watching it as a young girl, and and, and I, even then I thought, well, that's pretty dark, you know. It's a dark movie. It's it really a, is. It's, it's I, that's why I like it. It's, yeah. It's very. Mm-hmm. It's probably. It may be my favorite of the early early uh, Disney movies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think the scariest part for me is Pleasure Island when that kid turns into a donkey. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. it gets yes. real like whoa. Yeah. It kind of made yeah. me think of the um, the movie that came out in in the early '90s with Angelica Houston, The Witches. If you've ever mm-hmm. seen it, it's mm-hmm. based off of a Roald Dahl novel. Yes, yes, it's really, it is. really yeah. great. Um, but they, she turns kid kids into like rats and I remember seeing that movie around the same time I think that I had seen Pinocchio and I made that correlation I was like what's it with all these people turning kids into animals I know dark fairy tales they yeah. love giant dogs and the things mm-hmm. yeah Whoa. yeah and the movie is actually quite similar to the actual fairy tale it's not that mm-hmm. much different but yeah those those grim Although, fairy tales were in the grim. real fairy tale he murders Jiminy Cricket <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that yeah but Jiminy Cricket comes back to it's weird um, yeah, the the real stir- like yeah. the real versions of a lot of the Disney movies, the actual fairy tales, yeah. are very dark. The oh, Little Mermaid, yeah. the yeah. Little Mermaid murders. I guess Prince Eric actually gets married to like a human, mm-hmm. and Ariel, her name is Pearl. Yeah, she murders him. in the in the actual fairy tale. <laughs> oh. Yeah, murders her. So I, it gets. Or <laughs> she commits suicide. Too. And I think yeah, she yeah, did yeah, that she too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she murders, I think, his wife, and then commits suicide. It's very strange. <laughs> It's, it's right for a Disney musical. Yes, exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's just a strange notion to think that that's what kids are reading. Mm-hmm. But the animation is fantastic in the film. I think it's it was like the second Disney animated feature after Snow White. So that's how early on that yeah. film was. Uh, and that's a, that's a fantastic pick across the board. Yeah. And um, When You Wish Upon a Star. I mean, that's oh, probably that's, one of the most oh, iconic my, Disney, maybe my favorite Disney, Disney movie. Song. I mean, the Disney songs of all time. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, guys. Okay. My number three pick is Totally Tony, and it's a movie that I grew up with and lived with and breathed and ate and slept and wanted to be just like and still want to be just like. It's Clueless. Clueless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clueless, um, which we did a podcast episode on that with Sarah Brooker Greer. Um, yeah. So if you want to hear more about our thoughts on that, but yeah, I think Clueless is one of the greatest. Again, Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. fantastic. One of the greatest high school slash coming of age movies, certainly for mm-hmm. my generation in the 90s. When this movie came out in 1995, I was 10, and this was like mind blown for me. It, it's when I really felt like I was kind of coming of age too. I mean, the girls in the movie were older than me, but, but uh, in terms of, you know, my sense of style and you know, vocabulary and just the way that you were socializing in school. You know, at that point, I was in um, fifth grade going into sixth grade. And so cliques were starting to happen and cool kids were starting to be cool kids. And, you know, those stereotypes and those different groups were starting to form. And, you know, Clueless was just, I just absolutely loved it. You know, having the great three female leads and um, I just thought it was so fun, obviously, mm-hmm. just the, the aesthetics of it. I love how it just took on its whole world, its own world with the slang um, that came out of that, you know, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, here's little 10-year-old Tony yeah. doing those things. The knee highs with the plaid skirts. I mean, that was, that was sixth grade for me, and Clueless was such a big part of my my coming of age and and uh, my formative years, and I just think it's a fantastic, fun movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a feel good movie. Yeah, y- you do. At the end, I think most people you laugh a little bit during it because it's fun. Um, yeah, it's just it's great. It's yeah. kind of like pastimes, where it's one of those. Yes. It touches on very serious topics, and you know, the movie kind of has its ups and downs, but at the end, it's that feel good. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, makes you yearn to go back to high school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's great. We both covered two different Amy Heckerling films on our mm-hmm. lists, and that just shows she's kind of masters of coming of mm-hmm. age. Those two different decades. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the two totally 80s? different yeah, movies. Yeah, 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 they are yeah. very different yeah. and stylistically. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, Clueless is certainly valid for so many people from the nineties. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, one of his breakout mm-hmm. performances. Yeah. You know, that was probably what made him a yeah. name. That was one of the first yeah. times I think I ever saw him. Yeah. Was Josh and Clueless. He was great in that. He was. They all were. I mean, Alicia Silverstone was, was just magnetic in that movie. So mm-hmm. perfect yeah. for the role and just um, so oh. fun. And Wally Shawn as a He was Wally great. Shawn. Yes, yeah. he was great. And and I'm trying to remember who played her dad. He was oh, funny, too. I love... He was my favorite character in that film, Dan Hedaya. Yes. Uh, I, yes. I, I've loved Dan Hedaya since he played Nick Tortelli on Cheers as Carla's ex-husband. Oh, He was like, okay. like a louse kind of character. Like, hey, hey, Carla! You know, that kind of thing. But he's... One of my favorite character actors, and I think that's his best film performance. Yeah, includes. Oh, it's like, Cher, get in here. <laughs> when she's wearing that like little like slip dress like from Calvin Klein, yeah. looks like I'm gonna go put something on. She's like, Dad, I was just going to. And she comes down, and he's like a sheer top. <laughs> but he's like, What is that? She's like, It's a dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. That's <laughs> like underwear. <laughs> Great it's just so silly and fun, but but definitely a great movie of its time. Like Fast Times, mm-hmm. it's quintessential. It's so eighties. Clueless is so nineties. I mean, you having lived that nineteen ninety five year, it's like every time I watch it, from the music to the to the fashion to the way that they're talking and everything that's going on, it's like I just feel like I'm transported back there, and I love it. Yeah, good pick, good choice. So I struggled with my number two and three picks. They could change any day, but I'm sticking with the order I have now. Uh, number three, I think, is, a, is by a director we all admire. Uh, the man's name is Wes Anderson. And the oh, film is Rushmore. Yes. Oh, yes. That's so yeah. great. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's Rushmore. Yes. That could have been number two. I'm going with number three because I love the other film, too. Oh, yeah. This is still my favorite Wes Anderson film. I think it's his masterpiece. I do too. You know, I think Max Fisher is not your typical coming of age character. He's kind of yeah more of an anti-hero in a lot yeah. of ways because he's a very and he's like well, he's larger than life. He is like he's almost yeah. Uh, one of the things I love about Wes Anderson's aesthetic is the way that children and adults behave with each other. It's like Charles Schultz, mm-hmm. where everybody's kind of equally immature or equally mature in some way, and, and and that dialogue and that makes for great comedy is the way that that kind of reflects uh, like the, the lack of maturity across the board mm-hmm. because Bill Murray is just as immature in this movie, and it's one of Bill Murray's best performances as Herman Bloom, yeah. his mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, who competes with him. Yeah, competes with him <laughs> completely. But I mean, it's no secret that Wes Anderson has an immaculate sense of design and the aesthetic, the symmetry and the colors that he always, each film has its own sort of color palette. And mm-hmm. I just said, it's so beautiful. Uh, yeah, it is a gorgeous film to look at. He is mm-hmm. a visually stunning filmmaker yes. as well. No. Yeah. And again, like a lot of the films on the list, it has a tremendous British invasion, tremendous soundtrack, which is, Kind of more obscure British invasion cuts by the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, um, you know, and other bands like Cat Stevens and some of his early stuff is, is oh, in the yeah. film. So, mm-hmm. uh, who is, makes yep. an appearance mm-hmm. and one of the best scenes in the film. Uh, so, yeah, Rushmore for me, uh, number three. Yeah, that's, I love the scene when he's trying to seduce Emily. Yeah. And he brings in like that French cassette and everything <laughs> with the French music. <laughs> it's, Rushmore is a great movie. I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. Clueless also has a great soundtrack, too. Yeah, it does. Very nice, you know, but good. Mm-hmm. 
So my number two is my most recent movie on my list, and it's Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh. I haven't seen it, so, so I can't yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Stunny hasn't seen it, but uh, it's, it's, we've done a Spider-Man movie, which you can throw in there as well, the original yeah. Spider-Man. Um, oh, no, with Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire, which is very much a coming-of-age movie as well. Uh, but Homecoming, I just love, because it's a high school movie. The kids are, he's a high school student. He is Spider-Man. There's no origin story, which isn't bad. I like origin stories, but uh, he interacts with the high school, and it's great. They can go on field trips, and uh, he's kind of learning where his place is in the world. He's not, you know, he's trying to get respect from adults, but he's also, you know, has high school friends, and he's trying to, you know, meet, get girls to like him. And, and deal with this yeah. superpower. And it's got a great uh, villain. Michael Keaton plays the vulture. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Michael. Yeah, you'll so definitely have to, you'll love this. He's it's so such good. A good movie that, uh, this is a fun, great superhero movie. Um, Iron Man's in it, so it has like Robert it has that connection with Robert Downey Jr. and he has a great relationship with her. And isn't Marissa Tomei? She plays Aunt. Yeah, she's yeah, uh, yeah she's great, and they have Which a great is, yeah they have a great like modern take on mm -hmm. not that it's not. But, you know, the other Super, super Spider-Man movies uh, have an old-fashioned, which is great, too. But this is, they, they're able to go a different route and make it more, you know, modern. She's not... Uh, as old, obviously. Yeah, she's not as old. She's, she's you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, he's 16. She could yeah. be any age, really. Um, in her 30s or whatever. It doesn't, you know... 40s, even. Yeah, yeah, 40s. So, and they make a lot of, you know, comments about that. Like Robert Downey Jr. has a crush on her a little bit. Um, I can see them two dating in real life. Yeah, they were in a movie together match. or something yeah. in the past. But uh, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, I love it. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies, but it's it's one of my favorite coming of age movies as well. I uh, love that pick. Um, it's one of those I actually considered for my list in a way, but I also kind of said it's more of a superhero film for me than coming of age. But it's clearly valid as a coming of age mm -hmm. film because it does it is a high school film. In fact, I think the director. Uh, was inspired by uh, John Hughes movies in yeah. the 1980s and oh, stuff that's good. when he did that. Yeah. Uh, the kids seem normal to me in that movie. Though. Yeah. They're not like they look like kids. They all act and look like not like Dawson's teenage. Creek where they're like yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ned, his best friend, is a fantastic character. Yes, yes. Yeah, Ned's Ned's a great character. Yeah. I think all the actors are in their early 20s, so it's not they're not super old. I don't want to spoil it for Tony, but there's a fantastic scene with Michael Keaton in that film. I think it's one of the best. Does he have his shirt off? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that what you want to see? Hey. Uh -huh. I have a thing nice for superheroes with no shirts. <laughs> if they're named Henry Cavill. Yeah. No, I do think Michael Keaton's very sexy, though. Mm-hmm. Well, he's so. like 60 in the 60s, so. That's but, okay. That's, that's okay. young. Yeah. Yeah, it is. In this day and age. Yeah, I should say at 60 years old. When you're our age, that's young. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you've got some years to go, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Me next? Yes. yes. Okay, so I really struggled with the top two. Because mm -hmm. I love both of these movies equally. Um, they're both as special to me. And so it was really, really hard. Um, but when I think about, you know, coming of age in high school and I keep weighing the two. Okay. My number two movie is Heather's. Oh, which is a uh, surprise. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I I, I was gonna cap. I'm surprised it isn't your number one. I'll just say <laughs> I that. am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So number two is Heather's. 
Um, number one and two really for me are pretty much equal, but since we have to put a number on them, I'm going to say number two is Heather's. We did a podcast on Heather's kind of early on. Yeah. If you guys are interested in going back and listening to that. Yeah. Um, I just can't say enough fantastic things about Heather's. It's just a great high school movie. It's really sort of like a uh, prologue to Mean Girls in a lot of ways in terms of the, the clicky Mean Girls. Um, and you have the one girl that doesn't really fit in and she's trying to find her way and break that mold. And I mean, Heather's is just so great. It's so late 80s. I love the fashion. I love the dialogue, the dark humor, just the darkness and the edginess of the movie. Um, it's a black comedy, really. I mean, mm -hmm. but we've said all these things when we did a podcast on it. But no. but it is it is a high school movie. You know, they do deal with, obviously, death and, you know, popularity and going to college and different, you know, themes that you would deal with in high school. Um, most of the movie centers around scenes in the high school, you yeah, know. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's just, I just love it. I'll stop there because otherwise I'll keep rambling on. But. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> It says, yeah, that's a, the only shocking thing is it's not number one, so I'm intrigued to hear what number one's going to be. What's your damage? No. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was hard, so I had to choose Heather's as number two. Um, but It's number I'm two on the it. list, but not in your heart. Not in my <laughs> heart, exactly. It's only because I had to put a number on it. It's Guys, full suspense. Heather's is on Netflix right now. If you've never <laughs> seen it, do yourself a favor. Please watch it. You'll you'll laugh. You'll love it. Winona Ryder. I mean, do I need to even say any more? <laughs> it's one, probably her most iconic performance, probably, is Heather's, I think. Yeah, Christian so Slater. Good. Christian Slater basically pretending to be Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully aware of that. Uh, and, and we wouldn't have a Stranger Things without Heather's. We wouldn't. No, yeah, the we soundtrack's so great on Heather's, too. It's that quirky, kind of atmospheric, you know, synthesized music, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just want to crawl inside that world. That's an excellent choice. And I actually have a number two, which was tough, similar to yours, between yeah. two and three, because uh, they're very close in proximity to each other. Uh, it's from the year 2000, and it's called Almost Famous. Yes! Oh, That's okay. a great movie. Okay. Okay. I thought I figured you'd choose that one. Yeah, I, I yes. love that movie. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love music from the 60s and 70s, especially the rock scene during yes. that time. And this movie embodies and captures that so well. And it is a great coming-of-age story. Absolutely. William Miller uh, is the name of the character. who's based mm -hmm. on the writer-director Cameron Crowe, mm -hmm. who actually did write for Rolling Stone yeah. at, at, like, in his teen years. He actually wrote the script for yeah. Past yeah. Times at Ridgemont yeah. High, which was on my list earlier. So I like yes. that Cameron Crowe writes the coming-of-age story. Yeah. Um, he also did say anything, which is which was one of my like runner-ups. Mm -hmm. wasn't in my top five, but that's a great coming of age movie. Yeah, he's, say anything. He's terrific at that mm -hmm. material, um, but it has a tremendous. Not only is it a great coming of age film, I think it's one of the best movies ever made about rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Oh, almost famous. The, yes, yeah. it's it's one of the best rock Agreed. films. Yep. Um, you know, Billy Crudup is terrific as yes. uh, Russell Hammond, who's like the the troubled guitar player, but he's really funny in the movie too. Frances McDormand is fantastic as, as, the mom. as Billy's mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think Kate Hudson delivers her best performance, and it was well, a breakout. She won the Academy Award, didn't she? Chris? I think she was nominated. I don't know if she won. I was rooting yeah. for her that oh, okay. year to win. Uh, and she's named after a Beatles song, so how can I not love it? Penny Lane. Penny Lane. Yeah. So, 
Well, I think that was an alias, but that's what she told me. That was the alias, was, yeah. But yeah. But it was a damn good uh-huh. one. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. We'd rather her. Uh, I felt so sad for that character in that movie, though. She got, mm-hmm. you know, rolled around. But it has a lot of other great yeah, people. Yeah, it does. Zoe Deschanel is uh-huh. Grace's sister, who yeah. introduces him to Simon and Garfunkel in and the And introduces him to, to The Who. Remember yes. she plays Sparks, and she says the song will change your life. She does. You know, I like her. I like Zoe. I do, too. I like her movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's gone on the huge thing. She's that, that quintessential, film. like, what yeah. do they call it, Manic Pixie Yeah, Manic Pixie. Yeah, she yeah. does play a Manic Pixie dream girl a lot. And that kind of was probably the beginning of it when she becomes that stewardess in this movie at the end. Yeah. But she introduces, you know, the brother to yeah. a great record collection, yes. which I'm envious of. And they even have a bootleg of a Neil Young concert in that collection. Wow. That's how big a geek Cameron Crowe is for music. Uh, so I love it. Uh, Jason Lee is also terrific He's as a so fun good. man. Mm-hmm. And really funny. Uh, and even Jimmy Fallon has a cameo towards the the end. Oh, and I can't believe I almost forgot this, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing as Lester Banks. Oh, yeah. He takes, yeah. yeah he, he might have my favorite performance in the whole film, actually. He's and, hilarious in the movie. And Mark Maron says, lock the gates. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He does. It, it, it's actually in front of his podcast. But. Oh, well. That's, yeah, that is a great movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost famous. Well, you guys ready to get down to number one? Drum roll, yeah. please. Yeah. So, I won't say that mine's anticlimactic because you don't know what it's going to be, but my it's number one is actually kid? Rushmore. Wow. That's my number one coming of age movie, my favorite. Um, for all the reasons Sean said, I also add that the plays, the plays that he does, the production plays in those movies are so hilarious. Oh my God, the war plays. Oh, yeah, those, those are so. <laughs> I can watch those as a movie. Those Vietnam... Uh, I just but, love the way that Max Fisher carries himself. Yeah. Everything about him, he's so distinct and so intentional. And, you know, I just... I, I think he's a great, strong character. And it's just, yeah. like I said, he's larger than life. Yeah. No, I think everything that John says stands. Mm-hmm. And, like, on my whole list, of, like, there's so very little separating all these movies. Yeah. And I could change at any time. But um, <laughs> I wanted my number one to be, you know... Unbelievable. That was, it was a coming of age movie. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt mm-hmm. in the mind. So, um, that's my number one. So, we already talked about yeah. most of it. So, uh, I'm anxious to hear who Tony's number one is. Okay, guys. Um, it's a great pleasure that I reveal <laughs> my number one coming of age slash high school movie is Risky Business. Oh, oh I figured, I figured that <laughs> So, of course, we did a podcast on that one, guys, with <laughs> Colleen Dune and Stephen Woosley, and that was an amazing, uh, fun time. Yeah, I mean, Risky Business, it hits every single note from, from you know, studying to the SATs to, you know, losing your virginity yeah. to starting, you know, a pimping business. Uh, it's just a fantastic movie, and it, it truly is coming of age, um... I love all the characters so much. I love the story. I love the themes. You know, it's that that end of senior year, getting ready to go to college moment in in your life when you are really uncertain about what the future holds and you're not really sure about what you want to do. Are you making the right decisions? Are you going on the right path? But yet you still have, there's that, there. you're at that moment in your life where you're not a kid anymore, but you're not an adult. You know, that special kind of place. And, yeah. and I just really love... You know, Joel Goodson, Tom Cruise. I mm-hmm. think this is one of his best movies, if not the best movie, from my opinion, mm-hmm. that he's ever done in terms of his performance. Um, 
it's just great, you know. And and I love the sexuality of the movie a lot. You know, I think that's a that's definitely an important theme when you are that age, kind of coming in, you know, coming of age in high school. Um, you know, Fast Times obviously deals with sex in a different way, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, and I love with the whole parents being out of town, just the whole setup. The dialogue's phenomenal. Yeah. The writing, the music, the mood, the atmosphere, uh, the darkness of the movie. It's just well, I think it's so well done. And it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fantastic movie. I actually love Risky Business mm-hmm. myself. Uh, it was actually written and directed by a guy by the name of uh, Paul Brickman. And he has a very narrow resume in Hollywood, and, and, and a lot of people have written articles about what happened after Risky Business. Yeah. Why didn't he write anymore? But it's quite a big, quite a, a film to tackle as both writer and director. It feels very personal. It does. It almost kind of like Almost Famous, where you wonder, was this his story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. You know, it really does feel like it, like mm-hmm. someone's actual experiences. But it's very funny. It's mm-hmm. very sharp. I think it was considered very hip at the time, mm-hmm. too, in 1983 when it came out. The fashion's great. The soundtrack. This Guys, this has one of the best soundtracks ever. Not, not just the Tangerine Dream score, but even the music on it. You know, you've got Muddy Waters. You've got Jeff Beck. You've got Bob Seger. Oh, I mean, it's, it's a classic. It's, just, it's you such know. a great soundtrack, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's my number one. That's a great, great number one. I was excited to hear so, my number one uh, is what many critics consider to be the seminal uh, coming-of-age story. It's the 1959 French film, The Four... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it would be the Before Under Blows, in case people were on it. But no. uh, my favorite movie is The Graduate, number one. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't uh, no, no, it. that's fine. Actually, that's why we do these lists, because it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see which people will have theirs on yeah. their lists. The Graduate is one of my favorite films. Period. I consider it probably probably the my favorite and the best coming of age story ever told, based on mm-hmm. our parameters for what that is. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, it takes place in college, but you couldn't do this in high school. This would be even seedier. In but high it's school. it's it's very similar to Risky Business in terms of the sexual themes and yes. and and the adult nature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, I still think it's my favorite Dustin Hoffman performance, and and, mm-hmm. and uh, Anne Bancroft is of course oh, amazing. She's phenomenal. As Mrs. Robinson, and I also love—I mean, I even had a crush at the time on Catherine Ross in this she's film. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's she's amazing. The scene where Mrs. Robinson's at the hotel and they're talking to each other on the phone, trying to organize the room situation, is yeah. so great. Yeah, yeah. You can just see the, the maturity <laughs> difference, and just—I mean, it just. So. Oh, it's it's amazing, and, and there are a lot of scenes because it was directed by Mike Nichols, who did a tremendous job. Uh, like when when uh, Benjamin's in the pool. That were definitely influenced a lot of films on my list, like Rushmore, when you see like Bill Murray jumping into mm-hmm. the pool. So there's a lot of references to The Graduate and other films because of the visual vocabulary sure. that Mike Nichols invented for that film. And I love Simon and Garfunkel. They're one of my three favorite musical acts of all time. And, and this movie, it's a character onto itself, the music of Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. the sound of mm-hmm. silence at the beginning when he's on the runway yeah. during the credits. One of my favorite credit sequences ever. I have to add, I love the credit sequence from Old Famous with the crayon at the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to add that. But yes, The Graduate is my number one. Yeah. Oh, and then Spider-Man Homecoming, to go back to that, the, the opening sequence where it's his diary from Civil War. Oh, uh, yeah, it's great. That's it's great. That's, you can actually, I think you can watch it on YouTube or if they add that up, but that's a, that's a great uh, part. 
Well, we... I'm trying we, to think. Risky Business. What is the opening for that one? I think it's him dreaming. Okay. He's, like, narrating the dream. Remember, he's like keeps having that same dream. It's usually a trope of a lot of those mm-hmm. movies is there's always a dream sequence mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah. Well, that's a top five coming-of-age movies. Slash high school, yeah. Slash high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which everybody, check Pinocchio out... Pinocchio fits comfortably in. Yeah. Go ahead and check out those. Oh, I would. I do want. I do have a few like okay. like um. What do we want to call them? Honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did say Greece already. Um, what was the other ones that I said earlier? Um, okay, so some other great coming of age movies. Now these are very '90s, but now and then, which is a great story. It has a. You guys probably never seen it. It's more of a girl movie, but it has. Mm-hmm. You know, it it shows a group of four friends. The movie starts out with them as kids in the, in the like mid sixties, and then it's them. Then it picks up with them in their like mid nineties as adults, and it's like got Demi Moore, you know, um, Rosie O'Donnell, Melanie Griffith, and Rita Wilson play them as adults, and then when they're kids, it's Christina Ricci, um, uh, Thora Birch. I can't know, and Gabby Hoffman, and I can't remember the other girl's name, but it's just a fun, cute story of them. I think they're about thirteen. You know, and their kids, and it's about like one certain summer where they kind of all grew up, so it's sweet. And then the Sandlot, which is very similar to that, which is a classic '90s movie coming of age. I think a lot of our listeners might remember that one. And this one's a little obscure, but for me, it was definitely a coming of age movie because uh, I watched it a lot. And it's a high school um, uh, hairspray. Oh, oh yeah. By John Waters. Awesome. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, good, solid list. I was surprised you didn't put Sabrina on your list. That's not really coming of age, though, or high school. It's a transformation story. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a Pygmalion, really. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's very similar to My Fair Lady. It's that transformation. That actually happens. Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. One film I thought of too was Back to the Future. But yes, I, was, I thought I about that too. That for the for the list, mm-hmm. and I yeah. love that movie. But I did too. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why I put it, but maybe I thought it's... about it too. But but I was thinking. I guess because of what's happening, you forget that he's in high school. You do. You know, it's not really, yeah. It's a time travel movie uh-huh. anything else, probably. But it has elements of so many different films. Like Absolutely. Films That's such a great movie, yeah. Well, uh... But that was fun, guys. Yeah. It was. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed our top five list. Uh, feel free to share your personal top Absolutely. five coming-of-age films on, on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, we can share the links to some of the movies that we mentioned that we've done podcasts on if you want to go back and listen to those. And mm-hmm. um, fall is on the rise, so we hope mm-hmm. everybody has a wonderful back-to-school season. And, um, yeah, let it, we love to, to, to communicate and interact, so let us know what your picks are. Absolutely, and of course, go on to uh, our uh, Facebook page or Twitter account or even on iTunes or whatever, however you listen to us mm-hmm. on uh, Podbean, and uh, don't forget to rate us, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Yeah. Bye. Take care. I just want to say one word to you. One word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. So you were in Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit.